Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with husband and wife team Nabil Boomrar and Caitlin Weeks. Caitlin is a certified nutrition consultant and the creator of grassfedgirl.com. Nabil is a classically trained chef who works in a five-star hotel in downtown San Francisco. They are the best-selling authors of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Together, Nabil and Caitlin answer your questions about healthy cooking and wellness while helping you learn to enjoy a relaxed, paleo-primal lifestyle. Here are your hosts, Caitlin and Nabil. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grassfed Podcast. I'm here today with Shannon Garrett of Shannon Garrett Wellness, and we're so excited that she's here with us. First, we're going to catch up a little bit, and then we'll get into all about your thyroid and some hormones, and we're really excited about that. So I've been traveling this weekend, so I'm still a little tired catching up from that. It was a spur-of-the-moment trip to Minneapolis, (laughs) balmy Minneapolis. It was a little chilly, but I saw some really good friends, and it was a really good time and had a lot of good paleo food. If you check out my Instagram, you can see all my meals from the trip and how I found gluten-free stuff along the way and some pictures from... When I got back today, Grassfed Chef was so happy. Well, I got back on Sunday night, but Grassfed Chef was so happy that he took me out for barbecue today. And you can see that on Instagram too. We had a really good time because it's so sunny here and we like to get outside. So we went and ate outside and it was really nice. And Shannon's here with me. She's my new friend from Nashville. We got coffee or lunch one day at Whole Foods and right away you know we had such a bond because of our struggle with our thyroid and our autoimmune problems so um, she's just a girl after my own heart so I wanted to have her on my podcast so what have you been up to Shannon thanks for joining us hey Caitlin oh it's so good to be with you today thanks for having me on your podcast and um, I'm so glad you're in Nashville (laughs) so that we can catch up um me too (laughs) I have just been working on my website today and uh reeling from I did a, a summit interview yesterday which we can talk about later so I've been really excited about that um, and just working on a lot of technical th- things and a few care plans sprinkled in. <laughs> well, you, I know you help a lot of people who are suffering with their thyroid issues and fatigue and all kinds of stuff like that. So how did you get started in, in this arena? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, inter- it's an interesting arena to be in for sure. Um you know, my thyroid journey really began in the in the early '90s when um, you know Facebook didn't even exist at that time. If 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 we can remember back to those days, <laughs> so there wasn't uh, this community where you could like go on Facebook or go into an online site of any sort and really reach out to other people when your um, symptoms weren't being addressed or you weren't getting help from your doctor. So it was really a, a, a period of time that I was just completely lost. 
I mean, even though I'm a nurse and I know how the body works and all these things, the way the journey started was really strange to me at the time. I was a woman who was really um, healthy, physically fit, uh, felt good most of the time. And then I just started experiencing this nagging fatigue, not enough to really make me wonder, you know, well, what's going on? But it was occasional, and then it became rampant to the point that I couldn't even get up off the couch. Um, Maybe one day a week I could get out and maybe go shopping, uh, a short trip shopping, or to church or something like that. But that would be the only day I really got out for the week. I was just too fatigued. And I couldn't take simple walks with my husband through the neighborhood without relentless calf pain. It was just really debilitating. Um, Some other symptoms I had were, um, what I know now is this is from the cells not being able to get rid of cellular waste, but I had this puffiness to my face. Um, I couldn't stand to see myself in pictures. I actually avoided the camera most of the time. The puffiness was in my hands, my feet, my legs. It was just really strange, and I would start to notice that my clothes weren't fitting anymore. Um, Despite practically starving myself, I was gaining weight. So it was really a difficult time. Long story short, I went through um, eight years and nine doctors of being misdiagnosed. Uh, I would be told it's part of being a woman, Uh, I should probably eat less and exercise more, perhaps it's depression, I was told. One doctor um, who is supposed to be a world-renowned endocrinologist did put me on Synthroid, never told me that I had Hashimoto's, I don't think my antibodies were even tested, and I continued to get worse, and so At each visit, you know, he would see that I was in worse condition than I was before. It was apparent. And he just continued to raise the dose. And I I got sicker and sicker. I actually thought I was declining into old age as a young woman. Um, I had high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, high blood sugar. Were Were you working during all this? Uh, I, I, very little, very little. Um, it really robbed, I wasn't able to get pregnant. Uh, so it, it all adds up, but it was really so difficult that when I finally did receive a diagnosis from doctor number 10, (laughs) who I'm so grateful for, I was relieved to, to, know that it wasn't all in my head, that my symptoms were real, that this is a real issue. But then my my delight quickly turned to anger. I was frustrated, irritated, and aggravated against all of the doctors prior who either couldn't or wouldn't help me. So, you know, I had a, I had a lot of emotional work to do. Um, if I, if I knew that if I would heal, that I needed to, to let those um, emotions go. So that's, for me, where I started. Because my, my physician who diagnosed me, you know, even though he was well-versed in autoimmune disease, 
this was still at a time where practitioners really weren't sure where to start with the healing process. So I was put on natural desiccated thyroid hormone, and that was a godsend for a short period of time. But we realized that, you know, I had other issues to work on. So in the end, you know, I can say that it's been one of the greatest blessings in my life to have been diagnosed with this. I actually have three autoimmune diseases. <laughs> uh, when I when I received my diagnosis of Hashimoto's, I was also diagnosed with celiac disease and pernicious anemia. Wow. So... They come yeah, in, they come it was in. a lot to take in. And, and you know, really, it was a lot to take in and not have any resources out there to read or look up online that really made sense like there is today. Well, the, the conventional medical system is about 50 years behind in thyroid knowledge, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, much of our training in medical schools for United States doctors is still rooted in 1950s um, methodology. Unless a physician goes on to study functional or integrative medicine, they really, honestly, in their defense, don't know what to do for us. And, and, and at the same time, if a physician is practicing functional or integrative medicine, you know, their focus may not necessarily be on autoimmune disorders. So, depending on what type of practice they're running, if they're accepting insurance, um, they may have to be focused on diabetes or uh, hypertension. It also, cardio. Yeah. it also makes a big difference on the part of the country that you're in. Yes, it does. Because <laughs> I... Uh, I had the opposite experience where I got diagnosed almost immediately, but I was living in San Francisco at the time. <laughs> yes. But. Yes, and, and, and that's an issue here uh, in Tennessee where, you know, we won't get into politics or all those logistics, but it can be very difficult here to, to um, you know, get a diagnosis and then once you do, know what to do from there. Absolutely. I mean, I had met some people that were you know, more holistically minded that were giving me some advice. And so I used that advice when I was seeing conventional doctors. And so that helped me to get the right information. Otherwise, you know, if I didn't have any outside resources, I would have probably been the same as you for a while because you know that was about 2006 I mean sorry it was like 2008 2009 when I was sick and then it took me um a while to figure out my thyroid dose and all that kind of stuff so uh -huh. and that's never ending right <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> um, the destruction that takes place from all the inflammation and the signaling molecules, you know, uh, tr triggering the immune system to attack your thyroid as if it were a pathogen or a virus or something, um, you know, that does result in the destruction of thyroid cells and tissues. So very rarely just, you know, I kind of wear two hats. I'm a 
coach and then I'm also a nurse. So I get the opportunity to review a lot of patients' labs. <clears throat> and when I'm doing nursing reviews, I, I've really never seen anyone, even if they've healed their Hashimoto's, um, I've never seen them be able to completely go off thyroid hormone. Yeah, I've, he- I've heard about it. Uh, I've, I've heard that some people have. I've just never seen it. In real life. In real life. <laughs> yeah, I always hear about that, too. And you feel like you are you should be feel guilty if you still take it or something. Like, you couldn't heal yourself well <laughs> enough or you didn't do the right diet right. or something because you're still taking thyroid medication. But, you know, within two weeks of taking, I took Nature Thyroid right off the bat, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it... Within two weeks, I mean, I felt like was going from walking dead to alive again. And, I mean, I didn't feel 100%, but I felt so much better that I knew there was something to it, you know. Oh, yes. I remember my doctor asking me, you know, after I'd been on, I was on Armour first and Nature Thyroid, and now I'm on NP Thyroid by Acilla. But I remember my doctor asking me, you know, how does it feel? Describe the difference. And I said, well, (laughs) I feel like I've been in a dark cloud for about 10 years, and now I feel like I'm in the sunshine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was like I could go through the whole day without a nap, and that was amazing. Oh, yes, yes. Um, Because I couldn't do that before when I was drinking a whole pot of coffee just to go to work, and then I could only work for a couple hours, and then I had to sleep again. Mm Mm-hmm. So, One of the worst mistakes I made early on in my, my Hashi's journey is um, I was so desperate to lose weight and just get some energy. And, I, you know, I turned to there's, you know, one of the companies that sells the protein shakes and the supplements. Um, I won't say the name. I, don't, I probably shouldn't say that on here. But <laughs> it was a soy-based protein powder I will say that soy soy bars soy nuts soy everything yeah and I was just on the soy train pretty heavy for for about a year and I did get results with my weight but I really think that that manifested even more of a chronic uh level of my Hashimoto's Oh my goodness, that was the worst thing I did too. Because I, I was trying, because I was, I was like being all, I was trying to be like environmentally conscious. So I was trying not to eat a lot of meat, and I got into eating soy like a couple times a day. And I used to make everything I could, you could possibly think of out of tofu. I would like put it in the blender. And, <laughs> I was eating, you know, those Boca burgers and all that kind of stuff. And and my husband, he has a much more, like, farm-to-table kind of eating background. And he was like, I just don't think that's right. And I was like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He'd be like, well, we didn't eat that in my, in my country. And I was like, you don't know anything. <laughs> well, I know. But, you know, when you're going through it and you will – and you're not getting help – you will you'll do almost anything you know yeah. uh, and it's not it's not just mind over matter your cells are ex- actually driving you to you know they're saying hey we need some energy <laughs> and, and i i was like you i i was the thinnest i ever was at that point but then right after that is when everything fell apart <laughs> so you know it wasn't really worth it and i was running of course i was running like five miles a day and all that too so um 
You just don't know what you've got till it's gone. <laughs> oh, that's the understatement of the year. I mean, it's you really people really don't understand, and it's frustrating because you know I would go out in public the one day a week, especially if it was if I were going to church. You know, people would hear that you know I'm home all week. I don't feel good or whatever. They would know that about me, but then when they would see me at church, they would say, you know, well, you don't look like you feel bad. Yeah, you're like, well, I've been saving my energy all week for this. <laughs> and, you know, a little makeup goes a long way. Yeah. So um, it's really frustrating because it's an invisible disease. That's mm-hmm. true, yeah. yeah. And when you're not old, you know, you, you weren't old at that point, and I wasn't either. And so people look at you, and, and they just think, oh, and if you're not you know, obese, or they just think, oh, what's your problem? You know, right. just push a little harder. That was told to me by a family member, not my husband. My husband was always very supportive. He just didn't understand. You know, like I came home one day and I said, oh, I've got Hashimoto's. And he's like, Hashi who? What is that? <laughs> you know, and <clears throat> everyone's first response is, you know, well, what do you take to fix it? You know, that's, that's the way our country thinks. And just um, take a pill and everything's fine. (laughs) You know, what I tell most of my clients is that, you know, you can go to your doctor. That's fine. You get your diagnosis. You get your medication for the thyroid hormone. But that's really only about 10% or less of what is required, um, you know, to heal or reverse Hashimoto's. The rest is, is up to you. So... On that, what what are some of the first steps that people do or, you know, what would you do if you had it to do over again? (laughs) Well, you know, I'll answer that in two different ways. The first one is, you know, you do need to get your thyroid hormone dosed correctly. I like to dose that a a specific way that we can talk about later. But you need to look at your diet. And, of course, eliminate gluten, eliminate dairy, nuts, soy, um, titrate off of coffee, corn. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But it's very hard on the adrenal glands, and they play into this, too. So... I'm a diehard decaf drinker. (laughs) Well, that's okay in moderation. (laughs) But the thing is, nowadays, when... A diagnosis of any autoimmune disease, including Hashimoto's, comes at you. So much information also comes at you. And what I see patients uh, struggling with is they don't know where to start. They're like, you know, my doctor says I need to do this test. Facebook people say I need to do this test. Dr. Google says I need to do this other (laughs) test. What do I need to do? And it can really be overwhelming, and it results in analysis, paralysis, and then the person doesn't know what to do, so they don't do anything, because it really sounds like a lot of effort, time, and money. So if there's one test that a person should do after a diagnosis of Hashimoto's, it would be to get a food sensitivity test, because with autoimmune disease, regardless of whether it's Hashis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, MS, they're all the same thing. It's just the immune system's tagging different tissues. So at the core at the core of all of these is inflammation, and it's inflammation out of control. So we need to 
attack inflammation um, from the get-go. And with a food sensitivity test, you learn which foods are causing inflammation in your immune system. And that can give you kind of a look at how the gut lining is doing? Yes, but, you know, if you have autoimmune disease, I don't think it's really that necessary to go out and have a test to find out if you have leaky gut syndrome or not. You can assume that you have it. If you have an autoimmune disease, you can already assume that you have leaky gut because (laughs) the two go hand in hand. So there's money you can save there. But your gut, your your food sensitivity test, if you're reacting to, like, tons of different foods, mm-hmm. and you're probably, that's an indication of your gut health, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. So you want to get a handle on that because there are so many channels in the immune system um, and then in the gut as well. So it's this, like, with the test I like to, to see people do, it, it actually is testing um the leukocytes, you know, a type of white blood cell, to see if certain food antigens are causing them to respond with inflammation. And so that can be really huge, and and that can really improve a person's symptoms uh, fairly quickly to just eliminate those foods. Um, Which food food allergy test do you like to use on people? The ALCAT test. By cell to cell science systems, and it also tests for not only foods but also um, medications, mm. uh, mold, functional foods, uh, and herbs. So it, it's a really good test. It has great information. Um, the thing is, the difference between it and an IgG antibody test is like you know daylight and dark. With an IgG test, that's an allergy. And most people know if they're actually allergic to a food. Oh, okay. And that's what they would do at an allergist? or Yes. But see, the thing is, just because your body, just because your immune system is producing an IgG antibody against, for example, broccoli or some other food, there's no scientific research anywhere that says that IgG antibody is causing your symptoms or inflammation. It's just there, and it'll be there for for life most of the time. Oh, okay. Whereas with a food sensitivity test, um, if you're following the protocol and healing your gut, then, you know, a year out, you can repeat the test, and you should be able to see improvement. Whereas with an IgG test, you won't see improvement necessarily. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I understand that difference, but I think a lot of people don't. They think, well, if you're not getting a anaphylaxis, then you're not, you're not, but. Right. Or they, or they think if they don't feel their tummy rumbling, <laughs> that maybe it's, they're not having a reaction. Yeah. Um, and I had one of those, I mean, I had a food sensitivity test a long time ago. And, you know, of course, <laughs> it was through the roof on soy, but it had, um, it was like red and everything. It was, you know, and that just showed that my gut was just like a spaghetti strainer. But then yeah. <laughs> over, and then I got another one later and it was like, I was reacting to way less stuff and, and I can f- and feel it too. I mean, if you feel like every single thing you eat is like, you're swelling up from it, that's, 
That's what I remember. Every, it seems like everything yes. I ate, it was just like I had this swelling up and swelling down. And and now it's not it's not that obvious. It's much, much mm-hmm. less. Um, yeah, that's a good indicator. I'm glad you pointed that out because that's a really good way or one way to know, you know, if, if certain foods are causing a problem for you. But there are certain cases where people don't really have any noticeable symptoms at all outward symptoms you know we we can't feel what our molecules are doing necessarily if we could we could feel our tpo antibodies (laughs) but the thing is we can't so just by nature of having autoimmune disease we we know there's inflammation that's already out of control and the immune system is confused and attacking uh you know tissues that it shouldn't be so reducing inflammation through through dietary choices and then getting some antioxidants on board to deal with the oxidative stress in the body uh, really will help a person feel so much better fairly quickly. So, you know, selenium or N-acetylcysteine, resveratrol, those types of things can really help with the oxidative stress. And they help to sort of clean up the damage of the, of the uh, tissue waste in the body that's also causing inflammation. Yeah, and the selenium helps the thyroid hormone, right? Yes, and it can help with, you know, that, that sort of low, um, low mood. It, 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 with low T3, it's not, it's not really clinical depression, but your brain cells do need T3 just like any other cell in the body does. So there is a, you know, sort of a whole wide body depression. And selenium can actually help with that. Research studies show that selenium also helps with mood. So um, it does need to be a certain form, though, the selenomethionine. There are are three forms of um, selenium. So the research says for Hashimoto's, it should be uh, selenomethionine. Okay. And what about... Should people, you know, cut out meat because they... Um, oh, no. No, no. <laughs> and that's a, that's a mistake I see a lot of people doing. They want to be healthy? Yeah, they want to be healthy, and they just think it's probably not... Um, you know, they hear they have... What they hear, the news falls on their ears that they have leaky gut syndrome. And people don't understand what that means. You know, they think something's leaking out into the toilet. I, and I, I've had patients over and over and over. They were like, I don't see anything in the toilet. How can I have it? If only it would go into the toilet and not just <laughs> all over your body. So there's a lot of um, work we have to do to still educate, you know, people on this. Um, but, no, definitely not cut out meat. What we want is, you know, plenty of grass-fed Lean grass-fed meats, wild-caught fish, and pastured organic chicken. And, you know, grass-fed meat is automatically leaner than the, the conventional feedlot meat just by because it's eating its normal diet. So you really don't have to, to worry about that. And then, Yes, and plus it's full of omega-3 fatty acids where um, grain-fed beef is not. 
And it's not full of hormones and antibiotics. <laughs> yes. So, um, it's, and it's full of selenium, too. Yes. And the B vitamins yes. that you need, right? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. It's the perfect food. <laughs> I mean, so these are things, you know, that we won't find in a medication. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for the doctors who, you know, diagnose us and get us on a healing path. But honestly, you know, as a nurse, I talk with a lot of doctors. I have doctors who are friends. And, you know, in private conversation, when we're discussing Hashimoto's and autoimmune disease in general, they they will, they will confess that they often don't know what to do with us long term. Because Hashimoto's can be, you know, kind of like a roller coaster. Um and also, depending on what the focus of their practice is, um, the typical Hashimoto's autoimmune patient has a lot of baggage. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of lifestyle, you know, emotional and lifestyle and nutrition and then the medication. It's a lot. And um, physicians don't always know how to answer our needs. So. Um, the, the, just their system is not set up for doing counseling and all that kind of stuff right, that it's people not. may need. And that's why I'm so glad that, you know, so many people have surfaced to be able to to align themselves with physicians and, and help them um, pick up the slack here and, and work with, with the patients. So um, um, in the past year, year and a half, I would say most of my clients have actually been um, physicians' wives. <laughs> oh wow! Well, that's good. They put your their faith in you. Well, it's just you know I, I'm compassionate and I'm passionate about taking the time to really look at each woman. You know, because there are so many. I hate to rob this phrase from the movie, but <laughs> there are many shades of Hashimoto's. Just like there are many forms of cancer. You know, not everyone, not every woman's Hashimoto's is the same as the next. Yeah, and I think some people, you know, have fewer symptoms or they catch it earlier or or they're way I mean, I know a lot of people who are way worse off than than me or you. So it's just depends on so many factors. Sure, and you know, you asked me earlier what some of the first steps are when you receive your diagnosis. And um I'm thinking of a lady I worked with recently. She lives long distance, but she never had the first symptom, you know, of a thyroid issue. That's not what took her to the doctor. And it came back in her lab results, and she's in complete denial that she even has it. Mm. So what I see in the newly diagnosed who really don't have any symptoms yet, they don't have as much motivation to deal with this as the woman who really is seeing that she's becoming more and more debilitated. Um, it, it's hard to convince someone all these lifestyle changes they need to make when they're not having any symptoms. Yeah, I mean, when I heard that you were most likely get more autoimmune diseases if you didn't take care of yourself, that is kind of what really motivates me on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I'm not perfect, and I travel, and today I ate some grass-fed ice cream, which... <laughs> oh, that's 
sounds good. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, it's not something I do every day. And, uh, you know, I've been, but you have to, you have to live and you have to enjoy. I think, you know, social connections, what Chris Kresser always says, is one of the most important things for, for healing and long-term health, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, what What about exercise? What kind of exercise tips do you give your new newly diagnosed? Yeah, so at that point when they, they're newly diagnosed, particularly if they've been frustrated with their weight and they've been just gunning it in the gym to try to burn it off, <laughs> I, I try to teach them that, you know, we really need to back off most of this exercise. We need to do just enough every day to you know, perfuse our tissues, get some blood flow going to our organs and and oxygen to our brain, do some stretching. But the exercise really needs to be, you know, low level. Um, because I, I know in, in this in this phase, if they haven't been able to lose weight, not only is their thyroid affected, but so are their adrenal glands and so are their sex hormones. So there's nothing, there's no amount of exercise they can do to burn that off until the hormones, the adrenals, and the thyroid are somewhat in better shape to deal with exercise. Because what over-exercising does is just creates the stress response within the body, and the adrenal glands can't keep up. So and That makes so much cortisol, and that breaks down your gut lining and mm-hmm. makes you sick all the time and that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, yeah. In the beginning, cortisol goes high, and, you know, it's elevated, and then unless you're running from a tiger in the woods, <laughs> the cortisol settles on your tummy, and that cortisol is a hormone. It's a steroid hormone, so it can't be burned through exercise. It can only be reduced by stress management. Um, but when, when cortisol goes low... Um, you know, when the adrenals can no longer meet the need, you know, women will still continue to try to exercise really hard. And they fatigue themselves even more. Now, in my journey, you know, I know that's what happened to me when um, my husband hired a trainer for me. This was way before I got diagnosed. Hired a trainer, and I thought, this is going to be so great. You know, I'll work (laughs) out. It's going to go really well. The man worked me so hard that all I got out of it, Caitlin, was I would start bleeding after each workout. Bleeding? Bleeding. Like a a cycle. Uh Oh, my gosh. Like from your calves or? (laughs) No. Like a menstrual cycle. Oh, okay. <laughs> I so, but that, and then a, a lot of people can have no cycle, right? From that. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I never just, had that because I took a really big. That I took birth control that never let me have my period. So I never know. I don't know if I really had my period or didn't for like 10 years. Oh, wow. (laughs) So that was another great thing I did for my thyroid health. (laughs) (laughs) I checked all the boxes. Yeah. And then it, and then of course it runs in my family as well. So. (laughs) Well. But that's why we be, we're motivated to share with you guys because we want, you know, especially if you're not sick yet, 
that you don't do these same mistakes. And then if you are, we want you to you know, take it seriously and find some good advice for getting better. Yes. And, and tip for women, and this is what I talked about in the summit yesterday, was, you know, this three-legged stool. So even if you don't know, the, you know, whether you have a thyroid issue or not, but maybe you've been diagnosed with hormone imbalance of some kind. Um, or adrenal fatigue. You really can't have one without the other. So if you've been diagnosed with one, you can assume that the other two systems are also in balance because they're on the same axis in the body. So just the way the systems try to compensate for one another um, and collaborate with one another, if one system is off, they all are. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely experienced that in trying to heal my stage three adrenal fatigue <laughs> over <laughs> over the years since. Um, but what tell? But you have a, a an email course, right? That can help people get started on when they first are trying to get better. Oh yes, um, it's the Hashi Sisters e course. Uh, it's free. You just enroll. I've got the, you can't miss it on my website, um, on the homepage. But you enroll in the program. There's a welcome letter and a few downloads um, for you to, to, you know, have some self-assessments at home. And then you just receive a, an email every couple of days that leads you to the lesson uh, all the modules and lessons pages and there are approximately 14 lessons uh, of course we start with inflammation I feel like that's the most important key area for especially the newly diagnosed to to get an understanding um, because it's not something that you can really ever just get away from <laughs> your whole life you're going to be focused on trying to address inflammation because with autoimmune disease it's this 24 7 inflammation it's not just sometimes it's 24 7 yeah I mean I felt it when I got off the plane like I felt like I swelled up like and I can see it in my face today like oh my goodness but so we talk we talk a lot about inflammation and we we review the adrenals we talk about diet you know which diet is best for Hashimoto's, um, hormone balance, stress, and anxiety. So it's a really, really good um, beginner's program. And um, sometimes it's so overwhelming that you need it broken down into little, little, you know, emails or modules so that you can, you can, you don't get overwhelmed by. Right, and so many women have you know written me s- such sweet notes that. You know, they're saving the information because they know it's going to be a great resource for them later. They say it was easy to read. One thing that I didn't go into was the function and physiology of the thyroid. (laughs) You know, every thyroid self-help book that at least I would try to get my hands on early on, the first few paragraphs had diagrams of the thyroid and what it did and how it made T1, T2, T3, T4. And honestly, who cares about that at that point? You're just trying to get better. So yeah, you want, I tried to make, I tried to give, you know, genuine uh, research based tips that 
a woman could take and put into practice fairly quickly and in baby steps. Yeah, the average person does is is tired, is probably reading this on their phone between <laughs> going somewhere else and so they don't have they don't want any, they don't want as much science. Right. Right. <clears throat> um I mean that's what I found with with my readers too, but so you were on the Hormone Summit, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Bridget Danner is the organizer or producer of the uh, Women's Wellness Summit. So we're talking, uh, you know, I was on yesterday with Dr. Dan Kalish. <laughs> no, no pressure there, <laughs> I <Yeah>. can tell you. <laughs> but it was, it was fun. And, you know, I, I presented on, you know, thyroid and hormone imbalance. Um, others are speaking. I know Dr. Um, Kellyanne Petrucci is on. Uh, several functional integrative medicine practitioners, health coaches. But they're discussing uh, PCOS, infertility, perimenopause, menopause, uh, stress, anxiety, and depression, just all sorts of women's wellness issues. It's really a great, a great summit, and it's running. Yesterday was the first day, and it goes through the 18th. Of April. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to balance your hormones is taking, thy- taking hormones, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was a trick question. <laughs> You're trying to set me up. <laughs> no, that's not the best. Actually, that could be the worst, depending on the situation. You know, we have all these fancy and expensive compounded hormones, and that's wonderful. However, if your liver uh, is sluggish, you know, you're not going to metabolize the hormone, and you may actually end up feeling worse. And, and I've got a lady this week who, <clears throat> you know, we, we discussed her options, and I was not in favor of the hormones, but, you know, she she decided that would be best for her. Well, are- she's struggling this week because she's she's gained 10 pounds in oh five days. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, her body's not assimilating the hormone the way she should with hormone balance um what we see most often is that the type of hot flash that occurs from for example the chest and neck area that's not usually um a hot flash that's rooted in low estrogen that's typically a hot flash that's um, a sign of an adrenal problem mm. and when like you know this kind, happened you the know kind that would wake you up out of bed and you would want a fan and that kind of thing yeah yeah that is usually what often happens is blood sugar imbalance can trigger this so if your blood sugar drops just enough the adrenals become concerned and they can release adrenaline or cortisol to try to protect the body from low blood sugar. But that low, just that small load of adrenaline is enough to give you a hot flash. But it's not the type of hot flash that is typically similar to estrogen deficiency. Like true estrogen deficiency will result in a hot flash that sort of starts at the feet and spreads up throughout the whole body to the head and leaves you soaking wet. Oh. And typically with 
that type of hot flash, it doesn't, we're all different, of course, but, you know, when your cycles stop for two years, your adrenals are still making some hormones for you, you know. Uh, so it's it's not really, oh, and I'll also say that in a woman whose testosterone is deficient, you know, like per a saliva test, that's typically always a sign of <clears throat> an adrenal problem. So one of the best ways to start um, balancing your hormones is to balance your blood sugar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, so how would somebody, cause your blood sugar highs and lows, they affect you when you're awake and when you're asleep, right? Oh yes. So what the type of hot flash that can occur while you're asleep, um, you know, you wake up your head, your chest is hot or whatever, but your whole body may not be. That's low blood sugar where cortisol kicks in in your sleep to try to protect your, to protect your brain your cells and whatnot. So what what you can do is just maybe have, you know, you could have a slice of beef or a handful of nuts if you can tolerate nuts before bedtime to to help your blood sugar stay stable while you're sleeping. I see. That's I mean people don't they think when you're asleep everything stops or something. <laughs> no, it's pretty active. Actually the heart uh, is most active during REM sleep, and that's why so many heart attacks ha- happen in the wee hours of the morning because the heart is most electric during REM sleep. So it's it's pretty interesting what our bodies are actually doing while that, we're asleep. And that's when a lot of the repair happens oh, yes. too. And so if you're not getting any good sleep, that's a, another big way to balance your hormones, right? By oh, sleeping. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible to heal anything without quality sleep. And that's a challenge for so many people too. Well, you know, I want to say that um, I've been working on a adrenal quiz for about the past two weeks, and it should be up on the site tomorrow. <clears throat> but where... Um, Adrenal tests show, you know, yes or no, you're you have adrenal fatigue, and the test will also show show, show you uh, what phase you're in. What it doesn't show you is what type of adrenal fatigue you have. Um, there can be low cortisol with high catecholamines, neurotransmitters, or low cortisol and low catecholamines. And honestly, the when I see women who are following a protocol to heal their adrenals and they think they're doing everything right, when they're not getting better after about nine months, we, we have to think they're on the wrong protocol. So this quiz is intended to help women figure out if they have high or low catecholamines, which is dopamine, adrenaline, uh, adrenaline norepinephrine, those types of neurotransmitter hormones. Now you sound like Dr. Kalish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, those are, so your quiz is going to be out soon for people yes, to take? Yes, I hope, I hope it's up tomorrow. Oh, uh, great. We're, we, we're done. We've done all the testing. Um, 
So it should be up tomorrow. It's just a matter of having a final graphic for it to put on the website. I want to take that. Take it. It's easy. It's only 14 questions. All right. It'll be like, you failed. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are no failures. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's tell our listeners some helpful hints for keeping up the faith and keeping up hope to get better yes Uh, you know I can definitely empathize with the woman out there who might be listening who's thinking you know she's done everything everybody's told her to do she's done all the tests she's taken all the supplements she's done the diet nothing's helping and we have to believe that The body was designed to heal itself, given that we provide it with what it needs. So when when you're having those days that you just don't think you can go on with this anymore, it's really important to back up and consider contacting someone who, and there are many of us out there. It doesn't have to be me. It could, there are many of us um, who will just listen to you with caring ears and try to point you in the right direction. Because I see a lot of people, Caitlin, who are really on the wrong path. And a lot of it's rooted in, I don't know how to say this, now that we do have Facebook and the online world is booming with information, we're sort of creating a new breed of a version of a hypochondriac. Yeah. If that makes sense. And a lot of people feel really defeated um, when they see other people healing who have done A, B, C, and D. And then, <laughs> you know. It's like, then, it's like seeing that person on the vacation or the Ferrari, but you're, we're comparing it to <laughs> so, somebody who's no, got no symptoms anymore. Right, right. So, you know, in due time, if you stay, if you do stay at this, the body will heal and your symptoms will improve. Now, I'm not seeing as many, you know, I went through eight years and nine doctors. I'm really not seeing that today um, with too many women, which is a godsend. Yeah, I think that, you know, it can be. It can be information overload to always be looking on the internet and being in all these groups and trying to self-diagnose your all your issues. But I think it, it's also, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because we do have access to information. We do have the community, too, around us. So, you know, there's so many Facebook groups that you can join and sure. and talk to. But you have to be careful because sometimes I've had this because I know so much about this, too, but I... Sometimes I can't be my own doctor for this. I have to find somebody else to Mm -hmm. guide me, and I just have to follow through with their recommendations until a certain point, you know, and maybe you switch after that. But you you can't just keep jumping around and trying to do your own made-up protocol or, (laughs) or, um, you know, you kind of have to stick with something or at least stick with a practitioner for a, a good period of time to see if things work out I agree you know what what I always say is that Rome wasn't built in a day (laughs) and we're not going to heal overnight 
Um, the autoimmune process started way, way years before your antibodies showed up. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about all the years that you did yo-yo diets and mm -hmm. exercise like crazy and... And just exposure to toxins yeah. or trauma, you know, childhood traumas associated with Hashimoto's, um, infections. There are three stealth infections associated with Hashimoto's, um, H. pylori, let's see, Yersinia, <clears throat> And Epstein-Barr. Mm, you're sending I've never heard of that. <laughs> it's a gut infection. Okay. Uh, and so what a, what a, what do you, do you work with people about their mindset too? Yes, I do. And I talk about that in my book. Um, so, you know, I said earlier when I finally got my diagnosis, <laughs> I was so elated, and then that quickly turned to anger. Mm -hmm. So I realized I had some serious issues with forgiveness, with trust, and love. And that was really not only for other people, but also for myself. So I really worked on forgiveness, you know, um, for anything I had done that played a role in my autoimmune process, I forgave all the doctors who couldn't or wouldn't help me, and I just forgave the situation. I let it all go for my own sake. And then I had to learn to love myself again because, you know, all those years of, I don't know, just feeling like I sucked all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just not a great decade of my life, really. And just loving myself again is just as I would another you know, a friend or a family member, that was hard to do. And then trusting, trusting that I know I can heal, uh, accepting that I know it's probably going to be not as long of a journey as it was to get a diagnosis, but it probably will be a long journey. Because by the time I got diagnosed, I had such a resistant case. I don't think, you know, the interventions I did with diet and supplements, you know, I wasn't seeing a lot of improvement. But it it was because I went eight years <laughs> <laughs> undiagnosed, you know, and on high blood pressure medication and oh my goodness, diabetes medication and and the the last straw. I never took the antidepressant, but I didn't take the high high cholesterol medication either. Oh, and, and and that's where my life would have gone um, if I, it was just grace that I found this other doctor, honestly. And you, I mean, you really probably learned through that, that you have to be your own advocate and you have to, um, you have to worry, you have to work on yourself every day and work on, you know, changing that negative feedback loop in your mind mm -hmm. and like you said, don't talk to yourself the way you, you know, you wouldn't talk to yourself the way you would talk to, uh, you know, a friend, you, exactly. you would be nicer to your friend than you would to yourself. And you need to flip that around and do this. I mean, do the same to yourself as you would to a neighbor or friend or a family member, you would never talk to them that way. So you have to be careful about your own self talk. You do because, you know, I call it the essence of transference. So if you're 
feeding yourself negative thoughts and rejecting the way, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, oh, I look awful today. You know, that's a negative thought. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't know what a negative thought actually is, but the brain can actually conjure up over 3,000-something negative thoughts a day. And just flipping those around into something positive, honestly, when you're when you're thinking negative thoughts, you're more likely to have stress and anxiety, and your cells have to work harder. This this negative thinking going on in your brain actually triggers a negative uh, response, and your immune system thinks it's it needs to do something. So it actually maybe overstimulates your immune mm-hmm. system, and, and that's yes. what you're trying to avoid. <laughs> So, you know, we need to, with positive, calming thoughts, really is healing for the adrenals, too, because it just sends that calming message that everything's okay, you know, in here and and, uh, adds to your healing. Absolutely. I mean, I know that's been one of my biggest challenges is uh, because I was so thin and I was in personal trainer and I was in such great shape and then overnight I gained like 20 pounds and you know accepting that and (laughs) not uh not beating myself up all the time and then uh also just you know saying well I'm just gonna put on my makeup and make myself look and the best I can and buy some bigger clothes and just be like you know this is me (laughs) take it or leave it Well, the body goes through changes, you know, throughout the lifetime. And whether we're sick with autoimmune disease or anything else, you know, we should just try to learn to love and be grateful for our body regardless of, of, you know, our judgment upon it that we place upon, you know, where we should be or those kinds of things. And nobody knows... You know, you don't know that what the other person is going through, and you know, just try to be more less judgmental of others too. Exactly. Because <laughs> I thought I turned that off, but anyway. Um, so we will tell people where they can find your work, Shannon. Okay, so they can Google either one of these: holistic thyroid care or Shannon Garrett Wellness. You'll still land on the Shannon Garrett Wellness website. Um, I'm on Facebook at Holistic Thyroid Care as well, and on Twitter. I mean, your website and your information is invaluable, and Mm -hmm. you know people should really get started on your Hushy Sister course so they can find out you know which tests they should get from their doctor and how to get started on healing and and all that kind of information. And, you know, I'm sure you have resources for people to find practitioners and all that kind of stuff. So if you live somewhere where you don't know somebody good, I'm Mm -hmm. sure Shannon has all the information that you would need. And, you know, just follow along with her and I'm sure you'll get better. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with we're going to have a new podcast about how to save money on paleo eating. And then if you're enjoying these podcasts, please leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us out and helps us to be found by more people. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.